Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. I'm David Reed, and this is Marek Larwood. Hello, f- film lovers. We've run out, we're on about episode 160 something now. Yeah. I think every introduction must be exactly the same. Almost identical, yeah. With this immediate deconstruction of our form before the form has really taken off. Yeah. Welcome to the film podcast and we chat general nonsense about films. But thank God it's not just us this week. We've got a guest this week. It's Mr Brett Goldstein. Hello. Hello. How are you doing, Brett? Friend of the show. All right, lovely to be lovely to be here on the show. Lovely to have you here. And our fans, as Brett pointed out, will know that recognise Brett's voice from episode, what number was it? 54. That great episode, 54. 54. Remember 54? We won't see their days again. Uh, um, that you, was when we were with Absolute Radio. Yeah. We were. Um, you brought in The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Disney's The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Still your favourite film of all time? <laughs> uh, t- top ten. Top, top ten. ten. Top ten. Top ten. <laughs> I tell you what, speaking of Disney, very briefly, I still haven't seen um, Beauty and the Beast, which people tell me Same is one, yeah. possibly the best. That's one, one with well. the candles, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's the best one. The one with the candles, yeah, the candle yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Always remember Disney films by the the, the mascot. Um, yeah, yeah. So well, Aladdin the is ca- the, the carpet. Yeah, the rug. <laughs> <laughs> Magic rug. Yeah. Yeah. Fair um, enough. You're a bit, I bumped into you a couple of times at the cinema. You're a big uh, cinema fan, are you? Yeah. What are your favourite cinemas? Uh, do you know what? I don't know if I love the IMAX. I think the IMAX is, is the best place to see a film because the audience behave themselves as a massive screen and massive sound. That's my perfect viewing place. Those are the three things you want, isn't yeah. it? And they and the pay floors, so much money. The floor's no not one sticky. Talks, no one talks at IMAX. I don't know why that is. I think it's, it's because they much. they have that announcement at the beginning yeah. with somebody in a spotlight, so it feels like there's sort of an authority yeah. figure in the room. I'll see pretty much anything if you put it on the IMAX. I'll even watch a boring one. <laughs> if you say, oh, it's on the IMAX, I'll go, all right. I've got a, a correction to make as well. I'm actually a correction. Oh, yeah? You know, I was banging on about how good Prometheus was. That was, that was, a, a, that was the first film I saw at the IMAX. Right. And I saw it on my computer. It's not a good film. Terrible, it doesn't. Terrible. It doesn't stand up on the. It doesn't stand up on my uh, computer screen the way it did at the IMAX. <laughs> so basically, you were reviewing the IMAX experience. Yeah. For I the didn't realise it. Great thing. I was just looking at. I was even excited when the Dolby Surround sound logo came up. Mm. Yeah. Like, Whoa! Yeah. That is often the best bit that. if you go to a kids' animation or something. 
I, I wonder if it's something primal, you know, like uh, what cathedrals were for back yeah. in medieval times. You just like you're just dwarfed by it, so you behave. Have you been to the the Empire Cinema? They've got a new screen called Impact. Have you been to that? What no, I've not. Yeah. It's called. It, I went to see Nightcrawler at the and I said, "What's the Impact?" And they said, "It's our biggest screen." I said, "I like a big screen." Turns out the reason it's called Impact is it's a fucking massive screen, like as big as an IMAX, but there's only three rows, and so you're sat like fucking so close <laughs> to this thing. It is like you're being knocked. It was awful. Oh really? You can't. It's so big, and you're so close to it that you can't see the edges of it it's beyond your peripheral vision is it for visually impaired people then maybe I think it's because they had a little bit of room left and they thought we could cram in this corridor we could whack <laughs> a screen up and put some chairs <laughs> line some chairs in front of it wow. and charge you a lot of money it's mental it's so and they call it impact because it's you don't want to I mean that's too I, I might be wrong but most of these films haven't been shot with the idea of viewing them along yeah, yeah. along a surface you know? yeah it's too what is, your, what is your seat choice? I have to sit at the back. Middle back. I don't, you're not even in the middle. I sit close to an aisle because of my... Oh, um, with the IMAX? Or my, no, just general cinema. Because no, fairly close habits. to the front. Well, not really? front, but like four rows back. Oh, you love impact then. You've got to go there. Yeah. You love it. I can't stand people sitting behind me. I no, I don't to, I try to minimise the... Um, and if I sit at the back and I'm by myself, I hope uh, my idea is that people think, oh, that bloke... Maybe masturbating, yeah. So I'm not going to sit anywhere near him, yeah. And that guarantees me the space. But since I've been going in the afternoons, I'm pretty much all right. Hang on, Minimal... were you raised in a prison? No, no. why? Just okay. I'm the same, I don't like having people behind me. I do that on buses as well. I just sit at the back. I, I it's a bit like mm. uh, the born identity where I try and look at all the escape routes and want to know what people are going, what's yeah. going on. Well, there's that um, uh, Roger Moore Bond film, isn't there, where they try and place him at a cabaret seats near the stage and he says, I, I, I don't like uh, having people... Oh, was that the Spy Love Me that was on Oh, well, no, hang on, it's the opposite, isn't it? He says he had, he had a turn with a wall once and so he wants to sit down the front and then the, the whole seat just disappears into the floor instead. Ah, oh, they called his bluff. Oh, that live and let die. Yeah, probably. It sounds like something they do on live and let die. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about. Uh, should we have a look at general chat about the ones you? I think this is a great. We're in the middle of. I think the, since yeah. we're doing this podcast. Yeah. The best glut of good films in about three or four years. I think it's a it's a rich seam of films, isn't it? At the moment, it's been a good week. Yeah. And you've been to see about seven films in seven days. Yes. But, I had a little mission because I was behind, so I thought, I've got to see everything. And I've done one a day, although I missed a day, so I did two yesterday. What was the double bill yesterday? I did Enemy. Yeah. And then I did Kingsman. Ah, we've not talked about Kingsman, we've talked about Enemy. Um, Loved Enemy. Did you? Yeah. What was it about? (laughs) Loved it. (laughs) I saw Enemy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought it was all right. I was like, (laughs) You slagged it off, didn't you? Uh, Slightly. No, I thought it wasn't as clever as it thought it was but I don't know it, what it thought it was <laughs> <laughs> but it's good, good and fun Kingsman from the trays it looks awful but it's been getting some good reviews the, the thing about Kingsman is it's very interesting right because basically I thought it's great it's however long it is an hour and 40 minutes and for an hour and 39 minutes I thought this is excellent it's really well made it's really fun it's really stylish really good sort of anarchic it's great and then there is a joke which is the very last line of the film that is so wildly offensive <laughs> that it ruined the entire film for me wow the joke there is like, it's like a fucking one liner and literally I went that is outrageous <laughs> and the film ended and I was like well you've, uh, you've ruined you've undermined your entire film with one line 
always leave them shouting hate crime. That's the <laughs> wow. rule, isn't it? It's such a not like it's Blimey. so naughty and like ugh. You just go, man, you've you've just blown your whole... I, I feel it's a bit annoying film. now because it means that I'm going to have to watch the whole of that film. Yeah, I really to, sold it now. This is some very clever marketing ploy yeah. to get everyone to watch it. Um, On the joke right at the end. Yeah. You will not believe what happens <laughs> at the like, 135th minute. It's like they brought Dapper Laughs in for a script pass. At the end. Oh, how, okay. should, how should we end this? And wow. he went, I, it may as well have ended with, oi, oi. <laughs> it's so bad. Oh, no. <laughs> so mm. naughty. And what have you enjoyed that you've seen of... Um, all the Oscar contenders and all that business. Uh, loved Whiplash. I mean, yeah, brilliant. brilliant. Love, I uh, loved uh, Inherent Vice. Is Inherent Vice not nominated? No. It's not nominated. Well, it's because it's from this year, isn't it? Oh, okay. Um, just, I think. Uh, I've liked everything, but the best one, the one that was perfect, was X. Machina. I don't know. It's Ex Machina. Yeah, Ex Machina. It's from the Latin Deus Ex Machina. God from the Machine. Oh, which okay. it has has come to mean uh, it's from actually when uh, the God Machine um, would be in theatres where they'd crank a guy playing God down onto the stage to solve everyone's problems at the end. So yeah. they just get everything would get tangled up and then God would come down and solve it. And so it's now used as to refer to that lazy device of things are just solved by a factor that wasn't present previously. Oh, so Deus Ex Machina is when is when Doctor Who just uh, points his sonic screwdriver and it's got a brand new ability you didn't think it had before and it just solves it. I've heard of it from a script thing. So yeah, basically yeah. all the superhero films have always got that when it's like, oh, we need to go and press the green button to reverse everything. Um, de- no, well, famously no. in Superman, uh, flying around the world to reverse time is sort of Deus Ex Machina because there is no mention of him having that yeah. ability before. Um, so that's that's where it's from. So ex machina just means, you know. Well, it's a good team. job you enjoyed that because that's what we've all seen it, and we're going to talk about it today. Um, does anyone do a bit of a synopsis about? Sh- sure. Do you want to? Who? Yeah. You all right. You could just share it. All you? right. <laughs> so ex machina is the story about um, Domhnall Gleeson. Uh, winning a competition uh, to go it's meet. That, it sounds like only for, only falls in the horses. Yeah. Holiday episode. <laughs> he's done the current competition. He's yeah. won a holiday in the Elgarth. Uh, he he wins a competition to meet his boss in this enormous uh, computer company called Blue Blue Book. Blue Book, which is basically Super Google, right? Um, and uh, his boss is this recluse who lives on Jurassic Park only without dinosaurs. <laughs> he does live with Jurassic Park. Pretty much felt like yeah. it. Um, and uh, it turns out there's an ulterior motive to him win- winning this competition, which is that this boss has developed an artificial intelligence sexy robot lady um, that he wants Donald Gleeson as a programmer to test. Oh, sorry, buddy. Dog in um, <laughs> to test to test whether or not he has achieved a true artificial intelligence. That's about right, right? Yeah, that's exactly that's right. It. So there's own there's the three of them in it, which is the boss, the uh, the sexy robot lady, so sexy, and uh, and Donald Gleeson. <laughs> so Oscar Isaac, who plays um, Nathan, really he's, yeah, he's and he's in quite a lot of things. He's sort of really broken through, mm. yeah. and it's written and directed by Alex Garland. It's his debut, which is fascinating because he's got yeah. such a CV as a writer. Because um, didn't now am I getting things confused? But he wrote the book of the beach. Yeah, yeah. Um, he wrote Twenty Eight Days Later. Yeah, he wrote 
Marley and me, or am I thinking of someone else? No, I'm sure you I'm thinking of someone else we were talking about last week. Um, what well, else did he write? I read, I read, I read quite a lot of his books. Like te- uh, here we go. He wrote Tesseract. Um, Squeak, yeah, Tesseract. That's the one. Oh, it, the fi- film as well. A Dread. Uh, Dread, yes. And That's what I was thinking of when I said Marley and me. as well. Oh, yeah. I yeah, think- and this is his debut. So, um, you know, kudos. But what did we think? I thought it was perfect. I thought it was a genuinely perfect film. I thought I've got no. I thought it was brilliantly designed, brilliantly written, brilliantly acted, brilliantly shot, and and it was just so clever and and also a perfect bit of science fiction because it gave you an idea of something and it made you think about it in lots of different ways and it ended in a way that was completely satisfying and yet also gave you lots of questions to think about. I just fucking loved it. I thought it was amazing. And I was in love with the <laughs> sexy robot. <laughs> Alice Vikander. Vikander. Yeah. I, I thought it was brilliant as well. Mm. I really... I started and I thought, I've got... A, I've sort of seen Domhnall Gleeson in About Time, which I hated. <laughs> and a few things playing sort of geeky. I was wondering if that was going to taint you, because the last thing I saw him in was Frank, which, which was brilliant. Liked, yeah. And I so I, I have plenty of time for him. I haven't got. I didn't have that much time for him. And I thought, oh no, he's just going to be doing this sort of rom commy thing. I just wouldn't want to piss off his dad because his dad yeah. is. I can't awesome. believe that's his dad for a start. Like Brendan Gleeson, yeah. the same. Yeah, that, they yeah. came from the same body. This huge, big. Not the same well, body. Not yeah. the same body. They <laughs> came from the same, <laughs> same gene. The same gene pool. I mean. Yeah. yeah. Not the I same mean, body. I mean, he's not. Donald Gleeson is fifty percent Brendan Gleeson. That's a fact. Yeah. So his mum must be so skinny. <laughs> So geeky and really wayflight to produce that. Who 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 are you picturing then? Like Janine know. from Ghostbusters. Just a pencil. Just a red pencil. Brendan Gleeson screwed a pencil. Pencil with a womb. Yeah. Okay. I I was really impressed. They did some really clever things in this. It's classy and it makes you is ask a lot of big questions about humanity in a non patronising way. I thought the decision to make uh, Oscar Isaac the genius an unlikable character. He was a was total douche from like scene one, well, wasn't it? Was a like, great decision because utterly it unlikable sort of on the side of the robots. But yeah. I like I like the uh, the genius scientist jock, which is basically yeah, what he yeah. was because no yeah. one does that. They yeah. always do well. He's a, he's a nerd. Completely um, new character. Completely new character. Pretty yeah. much, and he brilliantly played. Like the the threat in the guy. Throughout, because you just yeah. you felt he could turn at any moment, like proper, proper sociopathy without being like uh, comic book. You know, yeah. he he could have been a nice guy as well, but you were never certain, and that's what was creepy about and that, it. And by doing that, they make you as the viewer almost really sympathetic and empathetic with uh, D- uh, Domino Gleeson's yeah, character. Yeah. So you're almost going through. The mm. same process of which is a Turing test, basically. Well, it isn't. It, well, this, a, I had okay. I had only two issues with it. I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it was a great film. I've seen films about AI before, and this didn't do anything new uh, from others. It probably did them better. It probably did all of this better. But um, there was a film that came out last year or the year before called The Machine, which was like a yeah. B movie version of this, okay. where um, a artificial intelligent sexy robot woman played by an incredibly attractive Australian ballet dancer in that one 
Um, and they're testing whether or not she has a, a soul and all of this, and then he ends up falling in love with her and helps her escape and all. That. Like it's a very similar film, um, but that one was almost made for TV and yeah. just a bit daft. Like there were too many elements and stuff. Whereas this one really pared it down. It was almost like a play. This mm. one wasn't it? Um, but. The Turing test was nowhere near this film, actually. They talked about it because they had to and then did nothing to do with the Turing test. What is a Turing test? It's just if someone's... someone's... A a human being has to interview uh, a computer from behind a screen. They're not allowed to see them, and so they cannot know if the responses are coming from a human or a computer, and they have to then see if the computer can trick them into thinking it's definitely human. Like the Blade Runner thing at the start. Blade Runner did this. Yeah. It it played on that idea, yeah. Yeah. Where they would do... That was more fantasy with eye dilation and stuff. I thought it was about consciousness, that you have to say, yes, that has a consciousness. Yeah, artificial intelligence is the term they use, but yes. It's... it's, I mean, uh, X Machina went into concepts of consciousness as well. It sort of went a bit broader with it, right. the idea of, you know, uh, love and attraction and survival and all of these things as being, you know, shown to... But they sort of dipped in and out of scientific concepts, you know, a bit like a sort of sushi of just a bit of Turing test and then we'll move on to that because I don't know what to do with that. Because we want to see the robot because the CGI is incredible. So good. Um, amazing. Like, yeah. th- it's, this is where I love... CGI heavy films when like it isn't the star it's just making something you've never yeah. seen before like you could there was no seams in any of it was it right. amazing um, what's your second thought with it I wanted a bit more directorial flair I felt uh, towards the end it felt like it had gotten so close to being like like a Kubrick film mm. but I actually felt it lost tension in its final act for some reason I think it's largely because they were just uh, I don't know there was something up with it towards the end for me there's a great twist at the end as well which is brilliant but here's another point I think might be for the female viewers where they found it it is a bit sort of like men looking on the female oh, it, it, it's, no, but, but it's exclusively male gaze but for a reason I think yeah yeah that's what I think it's feminist I think it's because it's all about I can't spoil but like it's deliberately she deliberately looks he's made her to look a way that a man will feel and she talks very softly yeah and it's, it's I'd say it's probably more about the history of gender relations than actually about AI at all yeah you know, I think that there's so many different th- it, it, you feel as if you want to watch it again and write down you could if you're a film studies person that's a film you can enjoy and write loads of essays. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's going to be in lots of syllabuses to come. But what an impressive! Uh, I was worried when they went to the because um, basically the, the start of it, he wins the competition. They go to uh, Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Yeah, the, the complex. And I thought I just looked at the budget it was eleven million. Whether that was a budgetary thing, whether so when I watch films now, I thought, <laughs> talk, we're going to talk about um, a, a film later on. But we're talking about the, whether they had to set it by setting it in one place. Mm. They could do all that stuff and not yeah. have the huge budgets of you know crowd scenes. Well, because yeah. they they had a lot of effects shots to do, yeah. didn't they? So, yeah. But it's basically set in a featureless shoebox. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very clever. And then there's a brilliant dancing. Dancing is brilliant. Um, yeah, no, it, it it is excellent. I was pleasantly surprised by this, and it has I was surprised there hadn't been that much hype about it. 
that hadn't been praised as lot. I think because mm. it's come out really close to the Oscar season, maybe that's why. Yeah, yeah. They, they dominate everything, and this is one uh, a, a real great directorial debut. Yeah. Well, he, I'm sure this will do him fantastic business in terms of getting him more work. Well, he writes stuff as well. He can just yeah, write and direct his own films. What more yeah. do you want? He's an author. I, I need to get in with him. <laughs> I do. I need to meet Alex Garland. Where's he from? Where is he? Is he English? Where's he hiding? Where does he? Where Jurassic does Alex Park? Garland hang out? Jurassic Park. Have we all seen the trailer for Jurassic World, the one that came out with the Super Bowl? It, no. That, that looks. I'm not keen. <laughs> I'm worried. I'm, that's that, yeah. I'm worried too. What happens in the trailer? Chris Pratt basically leads his motorcycle gang of trained raptors against the genetically modified big dinosaur. Oh, he's got a gang of dinosaurs. Seemingly, oh, no. seemingly. That's what that's what they're implying. Also, isn't it? it's like 101 Dalmatians, but with dinosaurs. Or yeah, yeah or the Flintstones or something. <laughs> I don't like the idea of making a super dinosaur because it's enough. Yeah, dinosaurs are enough. A T-Rex is enough. I don't need to see a super T-Rex. Mm, no. Oh, it's a super T-Rex? Yeah, it's yeah. called like a D-Rex or something. <laughs> it's like when theme parks have to carry on expanding and making up new... Yeah. Or, or when they have Scooby-Doo, it's like the all-new Scooby-Doo, then that's going to get old. And how, what did you do when you made the next series of Scooby-Doo? Yeah. Put a little one in it. Yeah, then you've that's got the all-super, all-new, extra-new one. And it's never better, is it? No, yeah. It's worse. It's always worse. <laughs> it's always worse. Um, um, so, ex-Machina, sum up, then... It's really difficult to say when it's it's difficult to talk about a really great film, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is. It's just really, really smart and well thought through. And you don't see a lot of films that are sort of like adult like that, where it's not adult as in it's nothing boring. It's not boring. It's just sort of intelligent and well thought out and entertaining and. Brilliant. Do you know what I mean by the Kubricky feel of yeah, it? Though, yeah, yeah. Just like the sort of hotel corridors and the claustrophobia. It's probably The Shining. It's reminding me. I don't of think it had the same. It didn't have the same symmetry that no Kubrick's that everything. single point shot. That I, I I watched a video about how he uses this same shot in most of his films, <laughs> and there's a montage of it, and it's just awesome. And everything, where, just, where the whole set's all exactly symmetrical. Mirror, yeah, 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 yeah. But I do think there was um, when you when you're at the cinema and you're halfway through a film and you're Convinced you're in totally safe hands because the writing's yeah. so good and everything's so good, and, you've, and you just go, oh, I can relax now. This is going to be great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's how I felt. Yeah. Well done. But I, I give it a high, uh, in terms of merit, uh, a nine or an eight, eight or nine? I don't know. Go on, how many? A high eight? I don't know. High eight merit. I've been so a spoiled. bloated eight. I've been so spoiled. Mm. With, uh, I love Birdman. I love Whiplash. There you go. If this I had come out at the same time as you know all of the all of the yeah, crap blockbusters, you'd really, have given it a ten. My 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 system's gone. My system's been ruined. <laughs> it's been spoiled. Terrible. This is how people become. How rich people become like gluttons and stuff like that. And you get this is how you get your you get yeah. used to such spoiled. I'm spoiled. You're spoiled is the word. <laughs> How, how, many, how many Bretts do you give it out of 10? I give it 10 Bretts. If Brett is a good thing, I give it 10 Bretts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. I, think, I think 8 Davids. Well, pretty high praise indeed for <laughs> X Machina. Um, go see it, people. Uh, right, well, uh, we're going to play a game now. Uh, we, we, as we have a guest, we'll take the opportunity to play the casting game. Um, uh, Brett will be our judge. Marek and I have been tasked with... <coughs> Recasting, sacrilegious as this game often is, Raiders of the Lost Ark. 
this is because the, the, it was rumoured recently that Chris Pratt of Parks and Recreations, Guardians of the Galaxy and Jurassic World fame is being lined up to be the new Indiana Jones. So we are going to not cast Chris Pratt and cast other people in the roles of Indy, uh, Marion and Belloc, or Belosh. Uh, so, Marek. Who, are you go, who do you want us to cast first, Brett? Uh, let's go back. Ba- Belloc. Belosh. Um, okay, Marek, so who you he's got? supposed to be from? I don't know where <laughs> Belloc's from. He's Belgian. Is he? Belgian Jewish. Okay. Um, well, I have gone. For, I'm going for villain. I'm going for European villain. Yeah, with a bit of sort of. What's he like? He's sort of uh, he, a bit smarmy, smug, but he's he's not rugged like Indy. He's sort of the antithesis, isn't he? he? Gets other people to do his dirty work. It. I'm. It's quite. And he, he's played villains before, so it's, I'm almost about three or four years too late with this casting. I'm going for Mads Mikkelsen. Lovely. Bond Excellent. villain also um, plays a paedophile and something as well. Many, uh, many not, things. Uh, not a paedophile. Not a paedophile. The Hunt. In the Hunt, yeah. And in uh, he's and he plays thingy in that series. He plays Hannibal Lecter in That's Hannibal. The one. Yeah. Um, what does Fandango mean? I it's a dance. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> It's a veiled yeah. reference to the uh, the seminal adventure game Grim Fandango. It's the way you said it was really defensive that like we're going to do something really bad to you at the end. Yeah. <laughs> What's it mean? Where's this going? Where's it going? Strip me down Where does the Fandango like bit happen? <laughs> Why are we in a wet room? <laughs> um, okay, so you're going with Mads Mikkelsen. Ah, uh, I'm going to go for someone I think can bring a bit... An, Edge of humour to it that I think Mads is too uh, too straight for. Oh, he can do anything. This guy is sort of all the villains at the moment, but he. When I thought about Belloc, I thought this is the guy. Rafe Fiennes. Lovely. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. So, who are you going to go for? Oh, man. Do I not get to hear all three? You have to choose. You have to choose I, I, as I, you I, don't, I can mix and match. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm so sorry. I'm going to go Rafe Fiennes because of that little bit of. Uh, you know, sort of comedy charm. Yeah, I think it's a good choice as well. And thanks, mate. I, I don't think you can have a Bond villain who's. I'm sorry. You're right. Sorry. I made a really big mistake. It's okay. You still got two to go. Okay, Marion. Yeah, who's your Marion? Marion. It's tricky because I was think trying to think of someone who is sort of that tomboyish, drink people under the table, uh, give uh, give the hero a run for his money character, and a lot of the current crop, I, I can't see them quite pulling it off so I've gone for rather than my favourite choice I always pick so I've not gone for her who is that Emily Blunt right Um, I've gone for someone I think could do it Marion Cotillard oh I love her oh I thought she's a good she was I actually looked at her for a possibility bet you did but the problem is you need someone who's a bit of tomboyish who can play that yeah and I think someone who's got the range Diane Keaton. No, she <laughs> she was in the Muppets and also Amy really Adams. sexy. Yeah, in American Hustle, she can play that boyish girl, Amy Ooh, Adams. She can look beautiful and she can be fun. Oh. Also, if you give me this, it's one all. <laughs> <laughs> I th- oh, I don't know. Amy Adams has a little bird quality about her. There's something not swaggery about. She her. can do, but think of her in American Hustle. I okay, have. Right? I haven't seen it to be fair. Very sexy in it. I want this game to continue, but. Uh, we have oh, a, we have a winner. Yes, 
That's a great choice. I was going to go for her. She's well. also already got her name. It saves us time. <laughs> saves us so much money. So you money. just Google Marion actresses and then you've got. But I tell up. you what, Indiana Jones is worth two points. Whoever you cast for you can't change. No, good call. Good call. Yeah, because he's the main part. He's, he's got to carry the franchise. We okay. want him to go on to two and three. Okay. So. And Chris Pratt is out. Okay, I've gone for someone here. Yeah. This person needs to be uh, uh, literally the most charismatic person. This is the early Indiana Jones. He's an old school cowboy with a bit more of a sense of humour, I, th- I think, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've gone for someone who, really good looking, can do sort of comedy and cool... He's not even American. He's not even English. He's European. Uh, Nikolai Costa Waldol. Oh, really? He plays Jamie Lannister in Game of Thrones. He's in Headhunters as well. Headhunters, do you know who he is? I'm afraid I haven't seen either of those. Oh, then things. I could say anyone. Oh, shit, man. <laughs> Whoopi That's Goldberg. That's a really good choice. That's a really I'm gonna go good with choice. No, no. I've, I've so picked. A reboot. <laughs> I've picked. Um, uh, he. He's already the head of one franchise, but I saw him in Horrible Bosses 2 and thought he was so much better than I've ever seen him in anything else. I totally think he could do it. Chris Pine. I can't believe it, because do you know what? If you, you know what? If you Marek. Know, if you knew him... Marek. Yeah. Marek is the winner. Oh. That is the face of Indiana Jones right there. It, he's it, very charming. He's, That's a he's great got, face. He's got the... Well, you Chris Pine's got too many franchises. Yeah, he's better than Chris Pratt. Chris Pine. Pine. Chris Pine. I love Chris Pine. He's better than Chris Pine as well. He'd be a great Indiana Jones. You're right. Mary, you're right. That's a flat out draw. Oh, well, there we I mean, go. You're just being nice there. there. We I'm go. not. I like that look at that guy. Do you want to do you want to do a Salah? No, um, I want it, I want, it yeah. to, I want it to be the dead heat. Yeah, dead off the dead top heat. of our off the top of our head Salah just for the Who, okay. Who's Salah? The John Reese Davies. He's yeah. the uh, the Welsh Arabic man. <laughs> but the monkey died. That guy. Oh, the, one, the, the one from um, yeah, uh, the one. Camels from... in the compensation for my <laughs> uncle's car. Yeah, that guy. Oh. Come on, no, no googling. Come on. I'm looking at the John drive from Reese Davis. You can play that part. Dead heat. Off you go. It's got to be the uh... Arabic gentleman. Arabic Welsh. Oh, who does that? Big bear of a man. I'm going to go for Brendan who... Gleeson. <laughs> Lovely choice. Who's the one who Mary? plays the dwarf in? Um... That's John Reese Davis. Oh, right. <laughs> 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 is he still going? <laughs> yeah. Um, he was the tallest man in the fellowship. There's a fact for you. Oh, yeah. Who are you going for? I've gone for Brendan Gleeson whilst you were stalling. I'll go I for thought... ben, ben Kingsley. Oh, no. Yeah, he can do it. In this really? Oh. Brendan Gleeson for the Bullshit. win. Bullshit. Well, thank you, Brett. That was very good of you. Well done, guys. I will, I will mock up the poster of the winners there. Well done. That was a great, um, great effort. Well. Great game. Great game. Great game. Good game, everyone. Good game. Good game. Um, yeah, so we're, we're uh, it's a pleasure to have Brett today because um, he's done something brilliant and he has written and made a film called Super Bob, which uh, won uh, the best film at the uh, Loco, was it called the Loco, the Loco Film Festival? Loco Film Festival in London. Um, and I went to see it uh, a week or so ago, it's brilliant, and it's going to come out. When is it going to come out? Uh, well, we're working on that, though. hopefully, in April. In April, Great. but it's a tremendous achievement, and it's so hard to get even a five-minute. <laughs> <laughs> so this made is a, by this anything. is a feature film. It's a feature film. Um, how long have you been working on it? Four and a half years. Four and a half years. That's that's how long it takes. You did to a get short, it. did you? Hey, what, yeah. How did it all start off? So it started off. Started off. We made a short. 
uh, that was three minutes long. Uh, me and John, this is all me and John, 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 John who is the director. John Draver. John Draver, yeah. Who I've known since I was little. And it, uh, he called, it was his idea, he called me up, he said, I want to do a, come round and be a superhero, but it will make a like mockumentary little short. So he interviewed me in a, in his office and we made this short film. And then we entered the short film in the Virgin Media shorts, and then we got oh, into okay. the final with that, and then that got it some attention. And then people were really nice about the short, and people seemed to like it, and then we were like, oh, maybe we should do more with this. And then we went to film four, and then they were like, they gave us some money to develop it into a script, and then basically that went on for like two years. And I was talking to John last night, all the development money that we were given to write and like go away to cabins and write. Uh, all that money went on posh sweets. <laughs> what have we spent money on on this film? All the money went on like dried mango. That was like our treat that we would buy in the shops. We were like, we've got money now. What are we going to spend it on? And we'd spend it on posh sweets. So when you see on IMDb or Box Office Mojo or whatever that the budget of a film is two hundred million or well, yeah, twenty million, how, mu- how much dried mango do you yeah. think that is? That's a lot of dry mango, isn't it? But it must be, uh, having written stuff, you know, yeah. half an hour things, that's hard enough. And you wrote the, uh, wrote, writing a 90-minute film where you've got, you, you were each scene's, you know, yeah. got to mean something. How, what, yeah. what was that like? Well, like, there's, the thing is as well that there was, the concept was so, because the concept is it's a superhero in the real world and it's one day and it's his day off and also it's his first date in six years so it's a romantic comedy and he's and British isn't he so and he's that's, British that's, yeah. and he and you know there were lots of we had to work out so many things like the rules and we had meetings with the foreign office to discuss what would happen in the real world <laughs> if there was a CBO and what we found out affected the film which is that and how much of the foreign office time did you take up on talking to <laughs> I think we had a good three hours with them. <laughs> they're, uh, they're clearly very busy. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, they said, which we use in the film, that if such a thing existed, if a superhero sort of did appear, they would use them as a political pawn. They would say, you know, if Iran called, oh, we've got an earthquake, we need help, they'd say, all right, we'll send our guy, but yeah. you've got to do something for us. And it would also be like that. And... Um, and, the, you know, there were many versions in the early days. We had, like, a really high-action version, and we had a very different different types of it. And it. But then every time we'd keep going back to the short and going, well, what has actually worked about the short? What's nice about the short? And what's nice about the short is it's a man buying milk. He just happens to be a superhero. And it was like, so, and we've got to keep remembering, we're not going to have a lot of money. We can't make a Marvel film. So what's the best version of this film? And the best version was... I hope this one. Yeah, I was going to say it must be really difficult writing a superhero film when you're were you constrained by the budget the whole time. What can we actually do? What can we physically? Well, I think you have to work rather than use like I always generally think things restraints are good, like make you be more creative. Creative, yeah. yeah. Like as in, it wasn't like oh, we want to do this and we can't. That it's like well, what can we do? We got to make it. It. it, I don't think we made any decisions based on. Well, maybe we did. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we realise it can't be an action. It can't be a big action film. So what can it be? And what it can be is a romantic comedy and and that stuff. But we also kind of worked out. Well, we can probably have about five minutes worth of special effects stuff. And so we have the sporadic moments of him flying and stuff like that. Too. It looks great. Yeah. But what have you? Because I think a lot of people who listen to the podcast 
some of them are filmmakers themselves. Yeah. What would you and just taking on such a massive project, which I've taken taken a lot of your time. Yeah. What would you? What have you learned? What would you do differently for the next one? What do you, your your big lessons that you learned from it? Uh, God, <laughs> I mean, it's really hard. It's yeah. really hard. And now this is the thing. I don't. I feel bad that I even said a, a, a negative thing about Kingsman because now having made a whole film. I sort of think any film is a miracle. And it, I, like, <laughs> now if I see like a terrible film, I go, well, I know you didn't set out to make that terrible. Yeah, like, yeah. Stuff happens because it is, like, it is like building a city. It's so complicated. And you look at the credits of Super Bowl, there's 200 people made that film. It seems amazing as well to me that the, the internship, the apprenticeship for making a feature film is to make a three-minute film. Yeah, so you yeah, make a yeah. three-minute and then you're suddenly 90-minute. And that, yeah. that's a hell of a jump, isn't it? I and mean, there's that's... 200... And, and you, there's so, so much luck involved. You can prepare all... Like, and what is also really weird, particularly when you're low-budget, I think... Because I hear about big budget films and they go, they had a nine month shoot. We had three weeks to make this, which basically means if you have a bad day, you're fucked. That's like five minutes of your film. <laughs> it's weather, be got shit. weather done or anything yeah, yeah. that wouldn't go wrong. Yeah. You can't afford to go, well, we're going to have to add some extra days to the yeah, you know? yeah. So this is it. And so there's an element of luck, which is like one thing was we did have great weather every single day. So it's consistent film set on one day, it's sunny every scene which we were lucky if it had been raining one day we'd have been fucked yeah. and then there's the crew we had this genuinely amazing crew but also there is a thing I've now learnt from doing lots of other stuff you want people to believe in what they're doing and I felt like I know on day two something happened on Super Bob there was a scene with me and Catherine Tate and we were improvising and something happened and you sort of felt like oh this is magic and you could feel it in the room you could feel it with the crew you could feel their sort of shoulders shaking so everything and it was funny and like everyone kind of leaning forward I could see in my periphery everyone leaning forward and from that day on it was like oh everyone is invested in this now and everyone made more of an effort and pulled together but I've been on shoots where you know the crew don't care where they just want to clock off at six just takes a bit like they take longer time doing things they're not watching yeah. I've done stuff you know they're, they're not watching what's going on but what what really demoralised what I've yeah. heard is that the you know the best the best shoots to work on and this I think it is more possible with something like a feature film where it's one project for a length of time yeah. rather than just sort of shift work or whatever <laughs> where the lead actor actually does become like the figurehead and it is also their job to turn this into a team you know they 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 are the one that everyone's looking at every single day and so if that yeah. then when they shout cut that person is remembers everyone's name and treats them like I a think family that's very important. that yeah. you know it and all you when you when you hear them in interviews like the, the the most successful leading men and women they treat it like that as well they're not yeah. there to just you know yeah rule number one don't, don't be a cunt yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it. it is though because everyone's particularly on the low budget thing like we had a thing like it was like communism our rule was like everyone was paid the same everyone so all members of the group all actors everyone was paid I think I don't know if I can say that I think it was everyone had a hundred quid a day so everyone's equal there was no hierarchy of anything and you all so, so for some people that's a pay rise and a lot of people it's a pay cut but they're all treated the same everyone's as important as everyone else and you make you sort of I think what's hard about filmmaking yeah it's like building a city there's so many people and you kind of have to get everyone to feel the same way and view this thing the same way and then once it's started it's fucking going and you can't really change direction and so there's luck and I think we're so lucky there's bits of casting where you know and chemistry and stuff like that like you know we 
got Catherine Tate, well, you're not allowed to audition Catherine Tate. You, yeah, yeah. You, you offer it and she says yes or no. So if Catherine Tate and I hadn't got on and it had been awkward, that would be terrible. But it turned out it was brilliant together and it was, it was wicked. But that's luck as much as anything because yeah, yeah. you can't check, check that. Before you start, you know you're sort of going. Mm, I hope this and works out. Also, the girl. Well, you're, br- girl, you're brilliant as well. And the girl. What's the girl's name? Nat Tenner. She's yeah, amazing. Great. Yeah. Really, everyone, the chemistry is great in the cast. The yeah, cast, and it's yeah. so uh, lots of things like that. You think of, and that's why when when you see bad films, you think it's just unlucky. You got you got bad chemistry. You didn't know you would have, and you got you know you got too far in, and you not shot it right. And you know Sam Mendes said of American Beauty. I think he shot five days. And he had like a panic and he called up Steven Spielberg and said, I'm so sorry, I think I'm doing this wrong, can I start again? And they gave him another million or however much it would really? cost to start shooting again. Wow. But you don't have that luxury. Yeah, you really yeah. just got to go <laughs> for it. What's and, right? and that's interesting you say about momentum as well. Once yeah. the, that ball's rolling, it's just like, yeah, that's and it. Like you can, you can see how, when you describe it like that, when... You hear these stories of uh, you know people like Lindsay Lohan or whoever mm. not turning up one yeah. day. You just like mm. how big a deal? Yeah, <laughs> so big. Yeah, that's you know. a million pounds. How yeah, big yeah. that can be? But is also everyone in everyone involved's entire attitude towards the yeah. project as well that has yeah. been sort of thrown in the toilet, right? Yeah. Now. But even low budget, still the cost is huge for that amount of people. So huge. Yeah. What was it like when you? Uh, Saw saw yourself. You are going to premiere, and you see yourself being such a mm-hmm. thing. Have you written it? Mm-hmm. So much of your life gone into it, and you see it, the feeling. Could you enjoy it, or was it just it so was really, 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 really overwhelming? I think, uh, like me and Joe said, it's like a wedding. It's like our wedding <laughs> because is this his debut as well? Yeah, right. So. Uh, it's it's really it's like an interesting thing to experience because in a way what happened at that premiere was like a dream come true. It was like a dream. The atmosphere was, was great. The atmosphere yeah, was yeah. amazing. The audience really went for it. like we hadn't shown it to people, so we didn't know. And it's been four and a half years. Oh, and we wow. don't know if it's shit or not. Yeah. And as soon as they started laughing, it, something happens in the middle of the film. I won't say what it is, but I tell you when they. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and I felt the whole audience kind of go, and and I thought, oh, they're really into this, and. So it was kind of like the touch wood, it was sort of the nicest way it could have gone. It was so amazing, but it's so overwhelming because the stress and the fear and the tension for years building up to showing it to people that it's almost quite hard to experience it because you're so it's so mad and you're it's hard to be in it. You know what I mean? To be in the mm. moment without going bloody hell, what the fuck's going on? This is so weird. <laughs> it's a great moment, and you could tell um, the audience, the atmosphere. You could feel the atmosphere. Yeah. What was odd was being in. So I go and see films, you know, every week. I'm used to just being alone in the cinema. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's odd being in a packed cinema and you feel, and that's when you feel what's great about cinema. Yeah. When it, you feel those sort of waves of emotion and you feel all the, you can sort of sense the audience, all the nuances. Yeah. You've it's fascinating. You're reacting to different moments. You're just, I'm so used to watching mm. by myself and stuff. That's yeah, what's yeah. great. When people are well behaved. Cause I mean, <laughs> yeah, and that's the why cinema. there's that thing of, it's really difficult because we made this film and it's very, very difficult to get... It's very difficult to get a film made and then it's very difficult to get a film out. And then there's this fear. And I remember talking to John when we made the film going, oh, he's like, I'm going to make this film really cinematic. And I was like, shouldn't we make it so it will look good on an iPhone? Because that's probably where most people are going to watch it. <laughs> and he said, no, let's go and make cinema. And then when you watch it with an audience in a beautiful cinema, you go, mm. this is a cinema film. 
and it's scary and sad to think, oh, but it's and most people just can watch it on their fucking laptop, and you think, but it, it works with your, you know, that feeling of an audience going with because it's funny and romantic and just, and it know, looks great because I think was, I think how cameras have got cheaper and more accessible, so yeah. they're not don't cost millions. So I think you shot on Alexa, did you or something? The look of it and the colours, the colour palette's really nice as well. Yeah. The way it looks quite bright and quite, it's all set in Peckham. And he's managed to get the get that colourfulness, yeah. which is, I thought was a really good part of it, a really nice, the way yeah. it looked really, really great. But, um, and it's really refreshing to see um, so lots of British comics and British, people you won't have, or that we know that people yeah. won't have seen who are great, like people like yeah. Rachel Stubbing's doing oh, yeah. part of Mark Restuccio, is it? Yeah. Just little people doing comedy. Yeah, Zoe Lyon. You see Zoe these people. In... Yeah, you see all these people and go think, oh, I'm really pleased well, you know to what? see them in the film. It's because of, I was really strict on this, because like, when you watch, you don't see enough of that, I don't mean, when you watch American Wife of London, which is one of my favourite films, yeah, amazing, yeah. every single part in that film is funny. All the little parts, all yeah, the policeman yeah. roles, the kid in the zoo, like all the minor, minor parts are funny and they're really like well-drawn characters and funny it's like I wanted that so every part in Super Bowl that's the bit I'm maybe most proud of is that all the little parts are fucking funny and great and they have a total character and yeah. just given we know all these funny people yeah. they're being wasted they're not being used at all yeah, you see yeah. them, and you see them on the big screen people who are struggling to get I went to around Rachel Stubbings and did one of her stubbing out problems right. thing, and we're saying oh we can't get any work and you sit and then the next day yeah. you see him on the big screen you think you look She's great on that big screen and you think you're tr- trying you, and say you don't see any of these people breaking through yeah but I feel really strongly about that I think it's, I think it's really important that where the, the, uh, I think the British we watch all these films and there's hardly any British films or it's the same old faces the same old people mm. and the British public aren't aware of this groundswell of comedians that never get any break so please go and support Super Bob when it comes out um, thanks and we'll give you some uh, and what, have you got a website we'll give you some money is, is it part of the wider Marvel universe do you think they will buy you up and well, uh, they, the you'll man, be there in Guardians of the Galaxy 3 uh, uh, we thought about it we thought it would be really funny uh, I actually had an idea if we could ever get them to watch it that we could do like a comic relief sketch or something where Super Bob joins the Avengers for a day as a sort of cultural exchange or something. You could probably get Jeremy Renner or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do next then? Because I think it's going to be big for you, Brett. Are you going to go to the States uh, and do stuff or acting uh, or, or make some more films? We'd like to make... I've got another idea that I'd like to do with John, so the next 12 years. <laughs> try, we'll try and get it done in under five years. We've had some good ideas in the past, haven't we? Like The Bumming Man? Yeah, The Bumming Man. <laughs> Marek's really keen on Bumming Man. I can't remember what other, other film what? ideas you've had. Is it The Running Man with Bummy? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. pretty much, yeah. <laughs> That's a great idea. Yeah. Um, blue, uh, no, Blue Zombie. Oh, yeah, put all the police zombie. zombies. Uh, Marek decided that all films that have Blue in the title are great. Yeah, And true. all zombie films make money. So, Blue Zombie, it's natural movie maths. Where, uh, That's great thinking. Where, um, you think like a Hollywood exec. Yeah. Blue Zombie is all the police uh, in the whole world become zombies. So the only people who can defeat the police, criminals. So they have to let them all out of prison to defeat the, uh, to defeat the zombies. That's really good idea. Blue, Blue zombie. zombie. So if anyone's listening and wants to uh, wants fund to steal, Blue Zombie. steal that and then uh, <laughs> pretend, <laughs> they had, pretend they had it five um, uh, years before. Oh, is, have you got a Facebook page for people so they can get, or anything like that, or... We'll just let people know. There's a, story story a teaser on Vimeo. Um, what, so got what's your Twitter thing so people can follow you on that? That's Brett Goldstein, I think. Cool. 
Well, we will we will talk about Super Bob uh, when it's in the cinemas. Fingers oh, crossed yeah. for April. Yeah, thanks yeah. so much for coming in. I think it's, it's really Thank brilliant. You what you've done. I really appreciate it. Any any uh, any you know, I appreciate your support of it. Thank you very much. Well, hopefully, people listening will um, go and watch it when it comes out, and then. Um, but well done. Because it's such a hard thing. Thanks. I've been really gushing my praise, but I feel really strongly about it. I feel really strongly that you should support British. Because <laughs> oh, I because I hate normally hate superhero films so much and oh, really? no Hollywood films so yeah it's, it's Marek's thing that when I say so I've been to see uh, X-Man you just oh no what do you see that rubbish or for Nic- or Nicolas Cage film <laughs> oh. uh, yeah which is basically all I go to have see have seen Dying of the Light uh, not yet actually that's the next one I saw Joe Even this week I was it. catching up on Joe is there, is there anything else you want to plug or, or uh, Twitter handles or not about it fine cool yeah just super well but let us know when it comes out we'll put it on our Facebook page which you can find oh yes facebook.com forward slash film fandango if you'd like to write to us and we'll uh, read out emails in the coming weeks then please do so dearfilmfandango at gmail.com or you can talk to us all on Twitter at Mr David Reed at Marek Larwood at Brett Goldstein at Film Fandango Uh, that's that's all of them I think hello buddy um and uh, also, we do all of this for free. So, if you'd like to contribute what? to our yeah, yeah, we uh, uh, or our exorbitant fees that our guests charge, uh, yeah. then uh, you can do so by going to filmfandango.co.uk and following the links from there. And thank you to everyone who has. We'll be back next week. Keep, Keep watching, watching the films. films. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.